Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Seaspire Steven Universe Fan Podcast. This is episode 175, and today we'll be talking about the graphic novel Anti-Gravity. I'm GC13. And I'm David. They really need to do more graphic novels like this one. I really liked this one, and not just because it had a lot of Ronaldo. <laughs> yeah, surprisingly, normally, like, in show when we have a Ronaldo episode, it's uh, almost, you know, almost guaranteed to be disappointing. And yet here, this is really the closest any of the comics get to uh, feeling like an, an important part of the story, even though, uh, you know, it's just a comic and not part of the show. For the most part, they kind of just seem like non-canon stories that could be hit or miss and don't really have to exist within the show's context. But But this... And gravity actually gives enough reason to be. It's almost like, man, I wish they can't. That I wish they could reference, you know, the events of this in show, or or that Stephen would actually know what happened because it was cool. We got a few little insights into um, gem tech and all sorts of stuff. And Ronaldo always seems to kind of grow, and then the growth disappears um, <laughs> in in any episode, uh, you know. And so it'd be nice if some of his lessons learned here carried forward maybe they do but yeah you say this one felt like an episode and i agree with the the first four issues of the new comic series the ones that they bundled together under warped horror we said they they feel just like the slice of life episodes Mm -hmm. this one felt just like you know more of a monster hunt episode or a you know dealing with gem stuff episode right it was beautiful yeah they're I was just really surprised when it was revealed, you know, what was causing the gravity to be lifted. I was like, wow, I'm surprised that the, you know, writer was given enough room to be able to introduce new gem tech. Like, okay, there used to be orbiting satellites and how like the warps used to work. The fact that they would send out these satellites that allowed, that's how colonists actually made it. And then the super peculiar detail of them collecting mineral samples. I kind of wanted to ask you what you thought about that i mean it would make sense you'd want to go and see what you're gonna grow before you decide to grow it yeah but what exactly were they collecting they called it core samples they basically (laughs) looked like gems already i mean yeah those look like polished gemstones maybe this is passing through the filter of steven's imagination right because i mean from pearl's hologram it just kind of looked like you know abstract life energy being sucked out of the ground uh and yet they're able to somehow quantify it and actually pull up you know gemstone looking things pretty strange i mean maybe those are samples from closer to the core who knows yeah whatever core even means i mean just the center of the planet i i have no idea but this one i mean miss sugar has a created by credit on the comic itself so Ah, she might have she might have given her blessing specifically to the concept of the satellite, although I do cry foul a little bit since it's awfully close to the moon base, but it's obviously <laughs> not visible in the cartoon. I, artistic liberties, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's like super huge. I mean, but you know. It could have moved into its current position uh, upon tracking Ronaldo's signal. When they were actually inside it, the the cockpit part was pretty small. I was surprised there even was like a whole engine room down below it, just based on the perspective of how it was drawn. Just felt smaller and like it didn't have enough room. But yeah, it's whatever. Were you looking at the gem writing on the on the computer? So was that did that look like the writing we seen in show, or did that kind of depart from what it normally styles as? 
I haven't compared it to what we see in the show, but I was very interested to see that we know that this says approaching, approaching, uh. but we only see the one long word. So I think it's and it's it's not repeated. Yeah, and we already know that the gem language doesn't really translate like uh, some other nerdy language like Hillian. You know, it's not letter for letter. So um, that's unfortunate. So that's gonna be uh. It's going to be a tough one to crack. Yeah. I think the people who are more interested in gem writing, I, I hope they've I hope they've seen this and compared it. I am one of those people, but I'm mostly just waiting to hear the answer. <laughs> I'm not one to be slowly trying to piece the puzzle together. Like I would have never caught the different gem writings, you know, the first time that they were on Homeworld, uh, you know, indicating the different sort of segments like the people doing that you're doing great work because i'm just sitting around <laughs> waiting for an waiting to be spoon-fed an answer but you know i wasn't i wasn't sitting around waiting to be spoon-fed an answer in this one because i was wondering about when does this take place exactly yeah i was wondering the same thing actually i was gonna ask you when this is supposed to take place in the show there's actually a very small window it has to take place after room for ruby but it doesn't really make sense if it happens after are you my dad so it has to be in that very narrow window after ruby steals the spaceship but before they meet aquamarine now how do we know it's after she steals the spaceship because of course we see the shot of all the you know scary stuff that steven's you know thinking about and ruby's there with her knife but that's not the same with ruby her that knife he only sees a ruby pull a knife and bubbled after they get the roaming eye, but they do not use the roaming eye to get to the moon base. Oh, yeah, which means, unless the writer forgot, that the spaceship has to have already been stolen. Yeah, you're right. Good catch. And also, uh, frankly, it also makes sense that it happens after Back to the Moon, because... Uh, he looks up at the pink diamond mural, but he only sees it for the first time in Back to the Moon. Right, and it makes sense that, yeah. Well, we didn't even, when was the time we saw the full pink diamond mural? Because initially when we saw it, I guess it wasn't Back to the Moon, right? Because the first time we see it, just to the moon or whatever, we only see her feet. So okay. Yeah, it could have been great. You kind of see the feet, but you don't see the rest of it. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what I think, that it takes place after Room for Ruby, but before Are You My Dad. Not a, not a very wide window. I gotta say, if, I, if I'm going to criticize the story a little bit, I don't like how hard they hammered on the whole Ronaldo thing. Ronaldo can't... I, I don't know why, but I think, unlike audiences, writers really enjoy writing Ronaldo. Maybe they <laughs> these people just know more Ronaldos in their lives. Uh, they just love writing for this character, and I I don't know. It just it, it seems to come out that way because why else put him in so many dang frames, screaming and being annoying? <laughs> you know. Hmm. I just think they oversold the no. I should have been abducted. I I, I didn't like how much. <laughs> time they but it was kind of important because steven has his own little mini arc in this one where he's trying trying very hard to take things seriously but still having a, a little bit of fun after opal throws him also man i wish we could get to see opal in an episode even if it was just a little bit like this seeing her in log date was wonderful i want to see her again 
this this reminded me because Opal actually says like one line in this comic that you know even though they can't hire the voice actors again, you can write as many comics as you want featuring the fusions and have them spout all sorts of things. I mean, the dialogue really helps build, or just any words coming out of their mouths, just helps build our understanding of what these people are together. A fusion of amethyst and pearl is so interesting because of how different they are. Uh, but we don't get to really explore them. Um, and I don't know if that's just a voice actor limitation or it's because just the nature of their fusion. They typically break apart anyway. But, like, man, we could have more fusion dialogue besides Garnet, you know? I mean, it, it would be nice if they, if they can't get Amy Mann in, then they just have to recast Opal. I love I love Opal a lot. She's the original fusion who we know is a fusion. And I mean, if you're talking about comics, I just want to see a slice of life comic where... Amethyst and Pearl fuse into Opal and they just sit meditating where Pearl's tree used to be before Hollow Pearl chopped it in half with a balloon sword. And just like the whole comic is citizens of Beach City coming up the hill to seek Opal's wisdom. Wow, that's beautiful. <laughs> I, w- I would definitely like an Opal featured comic. Yeah, like, you know, honestly, you could remove her dialogue again, too, just having her do something around Beach City would be super interesting. Having her up on the hill, that's already an intriguing question as to what, why they would both be together and be up there, and then Beach City residents coming by her. I like it, yeah. We need to pitch that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the this comic definitely, you know, kept up with the humor, as most of them do, uh, of the show. I did like, I don't know how intentional it was, but uh, pretty early on, Ronaldo says that he'll be taking just one small hiatus <laughs> from his blog, but the frames are split between what he's saying. So one frame just says one small hiatus. And I was like, they love they love making fun of the fact that this show yeah. is never on the never on air. So um and then he's like, wait, what if I just queue up regu- regularly scheduled updates while traveling through space? And I was <laughs> like, hey, what a concept. Yeah, if only. Queue up some episodes and then play them. But, you know, I always got to throw in a little bit of airing salt. So, uh, you know, luckily there was some material from this comic. Yep. Get, get, oh, give me a moment. I have to go get the jar. Oh, my God. <laughs> so that is another coin. For the salt yeah. show. Beach City Con 2021, here we come. <laughs> Another thing I liked that doesn't happen in the show, by contrast, is that uh, Steven really tells off Fernaldo sort of midway through. You know, I, he sort of confronted him before when... This isn't the Bloodstone Make Bloodstone Feel Good Club. <laughs> but uh so you know he ronaldo could always use a little more dose of the truth he doesn't seem to take it from pd very well or his dad so now i liked ronaldo's blog post at the end the, yeah i mean we learned that conspiracy theorists can buy things on et bay or maybe it's not conspiracy theorists maybe it's just astronomy enthusiasts but et bay i love that and i love how he I mean, basically tells the truth. I I disarmed it with some simple IT troubleshooting. I loved the solution to that problem. Like, uh, unlike, you know, Greg solving the, you know, translation of the message from a digital to analog nonsense. Or him using duct tape to somehow manage to seal up a Ah. synthetic storm. (laughs) 
This was honestly the most believable one yet of like normal human solutions to magical sci-fi problems. Uh, you know, check the, uh, you know, my dad, he always turns off the monitor, not the computer. That's great. Like, I thought that was funny. I, I like how Amethyst touches the thing, then nothing happens. And then a few panels later, the alarm starts sounding, Amethyst, what did you do? Well, that's how things always end up for Amethyst, right? You know? It must have been Amethyst. I'm going to blame her. I did like also just on Ronaldo's little ending message. You know, obviously he's already called himself uh, a possible intergalactic ambassador before. I wonder if this is the closest we ever get. If this comic was just sort of exploring that, if one of, maybe that was one of the quotes that kicked off this writer's interest in making this comic. But I I don't know how much more Ronaldo plays a show. It, it's always been interesting to me, like where what's his end game? Why have this character? If characters are supposed to have end games, obviously his uh, you know his comment about like the computer chips looking like rock formations and it fitting into his polymorphic sentient rock theory. I'd really <laughs> love to see and show how much Ronaldo actually knows because you do realize we are polymorphic sentient rocks, right? Like ultimately, isn't he going to? Like, what if he discovers information that the that the gems don't know at some point, right? Like, that's where it could be leading. I mean, the fact that he connected the dollar bill still, who knows? Maybe he knows something secret about why, you know, pink diamonds, upside down diamond is on the freaking US dollar. Yeah, you he know? hasn't told us what the diamond means. Right? He knows. So, I also liked his comment about that uh, the universe isn't ready to move past violent colonization of foreign <laughs> planets. I was like... Yeah, you're uh, yeah, no kidding, bud. Still kind of stuck on that. Yeah. I, I do have to say, my favorite part of this, though, is from the third page, actually, after Ronaldo has just burst in saying that Earth has had its first ever alien encounter. And Pearl has a lot of faces similar <laughs> to this, but the first one she mm-hmm. does is just this disgusted, disbelieving look. And she like she can't even bring herself to look at him, so she's facing away, and she's only got her eyes turned over, and she's like, "How can you be so dense?" And doesn't I mean actually, people in Beach City know that the crystal gems are aliens, right? Like I thought that was Ronaldo knows. I know. Like this is an undisputed fact. I don't. And is he still? Is that still a gap in his understanding? Does he not realize that the crystal gems are the polymorphic sentient rock people? He made rising tides, crashing skies, and he he knew that it was an alien attack then. This is just Ronaldo doing Ronaldo things, I think. Yeah, maybe that obliviating factor that still keeps Beach City citizens from truly being in awe of magic or, or space, you know, is still affecting Ronaldo. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, he is completely convinced that the shape-changing women who live adjacent to the town are utterly mundane. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this was this was kind of the Ronaldo show at the beginning and at the end. I I mean all of them even even Mr. Smiley was having trouble lifting Ronaldo. And that was with sour cream, Lars, and Sadie helping him and wasn't wasn't Mayor Dewey in there too? Uh he definitely gives a speech. <laughs> oh, he gives sure. him an award with the mayor's face on it. I mean that's that's how you know it's prestigious. Mm-hmm. Oh no no Jenny Jenny was lending moral support to the lifting of Ronaldo. Yeah. The the real only the biggest Steven moment really in this that that sort of took away from Ronaldo was mainly him, you know, going on his little space journey and then him having that conversation with Garnet uh just looking down at Earth. 
you know, their their conversation wasn't exactly anything new for this show. Like, it's pretty much the same sort of speech we've heard a million times about protecting the Earth. But I did like the slightly different angle of, like, uh, Stephen being worried about, like, you know, the planet's so big and there really is so few of you. Like, do you ever get scared about it? And then Garnet sort of having to be honest about it. Like, that was a nice touch in the middle of all the Ronaldo stuff. <laughs> I liked the flashback to Cotton Candy Garnet and mm-hmm. Rose. I love early Earth. It's just so beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought it was very meaningful. You know, Rose trying to teach Garnet, like, yes, you need to protect this place, but you got to enjoy it too. Otherwise, what's the point? It's always also nice to be reminded that Rose Quartz isn't just the worst person alive. Because <laughs> we're still, you know, it's still up in the air as to who she was. But, but you know... Another reminder that she probably was genuinely concerned about the planet. That she was. And for some reason, it really sticks with me. Stephen's whole, oh, this thing is really hot. Do you think it's overheating? Do you think it's a danger? And then Garnet's like, eh, feels it. Nah, the old tech is always (laughs) like this. I miss that. It's just, uh, it's not that I think it's funny. I just really like that little, that little bit that Stephen's... I guess trying to problem solve, but that he understands that Garnet knows more and that she, I mean, she tells us a little bit, a little something, even if it's not nothing we can use. Well, no, I said I missed that just because Garnet's resistant to heat. And that's also just a smart inclusion (laughs) that she would also just not feel something as hot as Stephen. But yeah, I mean, no, No, Stephen was able to touch it without pulling his hand back and saying, ah, it burns. Yeah. But I mean, who knows? I mean, remember, he goes out in space. Does he need his whole bubble? Eh, I, not <laughs> really. Just the helmet. <laughs> I know. Honestly, he could have been fully bubbled and they could have just thrown the bubble towards the thing. But no, let's pretend that Steven's body wouldn't just freeze and die. I mean, well, you know, remember, whatever. In bubbled, he completely exposed himself to space and he was still fine. Yeah. So, I mean, just, you know. just remember, Steven is strong. At, at first, you think that that's silly. Why don't they just bubble him? But then you realize, oh, wait, what does Greg feed that kid? <laughs> seriously i mean steven's tough i mean he's already proven it because we see amethyst in her post crack the whip form which means that she had her duel with steven not long after yeah and this is this is where steven creates a crater in stone and gets <laughs> right back out throwing a huge rock as he does it yeah but I wonder what other satellites the gems have around Earth. This was only the one. Or maybe right. they're maybe they're all similar in function, but this was just the one that had the problem. Yeah, well, it's interesting because they had the ship for a while. You know, now now that they introduced this, it's like, did they need to deal with the other satellites? It's obviously something they never tried to do before. They were like, eh, it's mostly harmless. But like, no, not really. They went and destroyed the whole you know, galaxy warp before, but all of those satellites, did those contain warps too? I mean, the one they were on, did that have a warp? They kind of didn't really acknowledge that, but whatever. seems kind of dangerous to have a whole bunch of warps just sitting around Earth's I mean, atmosphere. Yeah, you do wonder, did any of the other satellites accidentally leave the program that counts up prime numbers running and they're on, like, some sickeningly high prime number? <laughs> yeah, I do like that, oh, it's just a bunch of applications running. Let me just close them one by one. 
As a <laughs> well, Pearl, you do know that any proper shutdown function would automatically close down any programs that were all currently running. Mm-hmm. Well, Whole World doesn't have proper shutdown functions. But yeah, Pearl's the techie. And I like when Amethyst is just randomly hitting buttons. You're not even doing it right. <laughs> yeah, well, she's like, did you try pressing everything? And Pearl's like, I already tried that. It's like, <laughs> yeah, okay, technical mastermind. Mm-hmm. I mean, she she is their hacker. I honestly have no idea how this works. <laughs> that was a fun face. Yeah, so the only other fun face note I had was that Nanafwa looked almost more excited than Ronaldo to be flying up into space for no reason. <laughs> like, she was so content looking. Oh yeah, she she was totally posing in that bubble as well. Almost a mayoral pose. Ooh. Maybe she could sit up on the hill. And dispense wisdom to the townsfolk. You know what? That's what I need. I need a session between Opal and Nanafwa sort of talking about what it means to take take on new leadership, you know? That's a pairing that we'll never see on the show, but, you know, comics, anything can happen, you know? We can we can hope. We can hopeful. Hopeful for more Opal. Yes. I I am enticed by future opportunities for more comics to, uh, you know, consult the sugar. And and maybe have a little more freedom to, you know, introduce these more serious concepts. Uh, you know, tying it into the show in a consequential way is always going to be hard. But anything that gives us, you know, those moments with Garnet talking about the past or, you know, inconsequential enough objects like the satellites, that's awesome. It definitely pulls me in more than just Slice of Life, even though I enjoy those too. You know, I like feeling like it has a little bit of weight. So. Yeah, Too Cool for School was nice, but I liked that this one kind of tied in more. I mean, with the comics, the slice of life is just fantastic. But this this more long form, a lot more pages to build things up, I think really benefits from kind of tying into the, you know, the, the fact that they're aliens and that they have alien technology and they kind of never finished cleaning up after the war. Because mm-hmm. that was that was always what intrigued me about the show the the leftover remnants yeah this one really you know we've been dealing so much with what gems are like right now uh and obviously to come is going to be a lot of backstory for steven universe but but the satellites are like a nice reminder of just a thing that just exists hanging around you know the show really doesn't get to do that anymore like steven's not really going to be wandering through the desert again and see you know some ziggurat or whatever like Ah, he just doesn't go through these old buildings anymore. Of course, I'm saying that, but he was literally, the most recent episode was him on a moon exploring an abandoned place. So maybe I should retract that. Steven Universe still has some aspect of uh, l- just looking at old stuff and wondering what it was like, but I'll always take more. Yeah, but they really have moved past the whole, hey, there's a monster running around, let's go get it. And then we pass through this big place and we don't know what it used to be, but it sure looks cool. Yeah. They don't do that anymore. I'll always take indirect storytelling over verbalized storytelling, though, from characters. So any, you know, as we head into the pink diamond future, I'll always take, you know, not just a gem explaining the backstory, but something else. I mean, I love the inventiveness of the dreams and stuff. It was thousands of years ago, Stephen. Right. <laughs> I mean, Pearl may be incapable, so maybe that'll benefit of my desire to see the story unfold, but yeah. She could use the hand puppets. Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) 
So anything else about anti-gravity? I give it a thumbs up. Yeah, I give it a thumbs up too. That's my official Lunar Ceasefire rating. And I, I just love how the cover has the gems in the constellations and Pearl's got the moon as her gem. <laughs> that was cute. Oh, yeah. And Connie apparently makes an appearance on the cover, but not in the comic. Yeah. Well, so I guess that's it for us on Anti-Gravity. Everyone make sure to join us next week. We'll actually be talking about the Craig of the Creek pilot by uh, Matt Burnett and Ben Levin, the uh, the two cool guys sitting on the <laughs> uh, adjacent to Kevin's house in Kevin Party. You know them. Yeah, I'm excited. So until then, I'm GC13. And I'm David. Uh, don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by James Roach. For more Steven Universe fan-related content, please visit LunarCSpire.com. Thank you for listening.